Hello and welcome to the Seven Bytes podcast, created and hosted by Seven Psychology at Work. Positive change with purpose for people at work. We're based in Dublin and we have a global reach. In this podcast, you'll get to meet some of our expert team, hear about their specialisms and top tips, and also hear about our views on the current issues our clients are facing at work. Today's podcast is brought to you by three co-hosts. I'm Ross, a business psychologist, and I love being part of the Seven family. It's such a supportive, professional, and skilled team, and we work with some outstanding clients. I'm Kevin. I've been lucky enough to have been with the Seven team since 2014. In that time, I've gained a broad view of the Seven world. I've worked as a research psychologist, a project manager, and most recently as a business psychologist. I've been blessed to work with gifted and supportive colleagues, and I've also got to experience working with an amazing and diverse range of our fantastic clients. I'm Emma, and I'm a part of the research team at Seven. I'm really passionate about conducting and analysing psychology-relevant and up-to-date research on behalf of our clients across our specialist areas. What's our topic today? Today, we're going to be talking about employee mental health in a post-COVID world. And we'll be sharing our top tips on managing workplace anxiety. Kevin, Emma, I'd love to hear some of your own personal thoughts and experiences on this topic. I've certainly noticed clients struggling with mental health and workplace anxiety post-COVID. It's a really interesting topic because although it's a common theme, it varies so much from one individual to the next. For some, it's the anxiety related to coming back to the office and the challenge that that brings in terms of being face-to-face with colleagues. For others, it's about their boundary management, how they separate their work and their home life. There almost appears to be more of an unsaid expectation to always be available, um, which people are struggling with. Yeah, no, I can certainly relate to that, Kevin. I know for myself, I feel like I'm operating in a very fast-paced environment, whereas spending more time at home during COVID lockdowns gave me much more time to reflect and be thoughtful about my day-to-day routine. Yeah, one thing that I've noticed with my friends and family is that their commuting time is now gone. Um, So all that time that people saved during COVID is no longer there. Public transport and roads are back to as busy as they they ever were before the pandemic. Yeah, I think that commute time is a really important point, Kevin, because often that helps people create the boundary between work and home life. And now it's back, as you say, that the roads are back and as busy as they ever were. So it's a whole new world, and those strategies we used to look after ourselves before COVID are probably not working so well now, which is another thing that can make us confused and anxious. And actually, if we think about where we are now as we move out of COVID, some of the strategies that served us well during peak pandemic may no longer be serving us as effectively. One thing I've certainly noticed is that my new default is to set up a Zoom or a Teams meeting. And I need to stop and pause to ask myself, could this just be a quick phone call? We mustn't forget the old school technology, the old school telephone call. So why did we feel it was important to talk about this topic? Because research has begun to emerge on post-COVID mental health. We realized how widespread the concept of potential maladjustment can be. So today's episode aims to investigate why this might be the case. And we'll also provide you with some top tips on managing your own mental health as well as that of your employees. So, Emma, moving over to the research desk. Thinking about recent developments on the topic of employee mental health, what's happening in Ireland? 
Yeah, so there was recent research published by Mental Health Ireland and they found that 90% of employers have noticed an increase in mental health challenges in the workplace since the pandemic. Adding to this, their findings showed that 39% of employees felt their employer had strong mental health policies in place. Now, on a more positive note, the majority of employers did find an increase in openness to talk about mental health within the workplace. That's really interesting, Emma. And what do you think these findings actually mean for organisations and for individuals? I think initially this shows that there is an increased awareness of mental health within the workplace context, which is something that I think the COVID pandemic has facilitated in a way. You know, that working from home element almost encouraged the blend between work and home life rather than viewing them as separate issues. This acknowledgement is an important step in our willingness for change, both from an employee perspective and employer perspective, which could come in the form of mental health policy implementation. I completely agree. Uh, The acknowledgement of the issue is a really important first step in helping to alleviate anxiety in the workplace. And Ross, I'm really curious to hear from you. uh, What are you noticing in your work with leaders? Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Well, if we go back to the early days of the pandemic, I feel that leaders were really sensing that responsibility, huge sense of responsibility for the mental health of their people as we entered uncharted territory. I was contacted by many leaders and organizations saying, our people are anxious, please can you make it go away? And my response was always, no, I can't make it go away, but I can help people realize that this is an entirely normal response to unprecedented events and share skills and techniques to help them relate to their anxiety in different ways and also realize that they're not alone. That's such an important point for us. I think it's critical for organizations, leaders and individuals to know that there are things that they can do to better deal with and respond to the anxiety that people are experiencing. Emma, what is the research saying in terms of the most effective ways to manage anxiety in the post-pandemic world? Thanks, Kevin. Research in this area is limited, but is evolving. You know, that's partially due to the recency of the pandemic and post-COVID issues themselves coming to light. The general explanation for increased levels of anxiety from the research is that employment and job precarity are linked to health effects for individuals and their families. Specifically, employee mental health varied in accordance with home demands, occupation, and and specific job demands. Now, you can split the research into two separate areas. Firstly, the, the ways of working during the pandemic have had an impact on mental health, but also then the adjustment to new ways of working post-COVID has had an impact on mental health. That makes so much sense, Emma. Can you tell me more about how ways of working during the pandemic has impacted mental health? The pandemic firstly stimulated a lot of innovation and work-life balance in general with those more flexible hours. However, there has been worsening mental health, psychological distress, burnout and substance use also, um, which has been accelerated substantially by the pandemic due to these changes in working conditions, such as the lack of interpersonal interaction. Some employees really thrive on the informal and ongoing interactions in physical workspaces, and then others don't. Again, many remote workers might experience fatigue from high volumes of video conferencing with very few breaks. 
Again, changing work patterns might also influence physical activity and dietary habits of workers with associated long-term health effects. And then we also have to think of the caregivers to children and older people. They had to continue their caregiver responsibility alongside their work all in the one environment. So that's really challenging. Those points are so relatable, Emma. I know I struggled a lot myself from fatigue, uh, from high volumes of video calls. It often felt like I was attending meetings for meetings sake rather than actually getting work done. And I know a lot of clients have been struggling with the same issue. I think the pandemic has had such a profound individual impact on everyone. Some people have come through having formed totally new habits, such as taking up some sort of physical activity like cycling or running. However, others unfortunately have found it extremely difficult and have formed worse habits, such as increasing their alcohol or substance abuse. Anecdotally, I've heard in universities, there's a lot less of that middle cohort in terms of grades and much more A's and failed uh, than ever before. It's one extreme or the other, and it appears that the middle ground is becoming smaller and smaller. Hmm, fascinating. I think it's important to recognise we're still in an extraordinary situation because, for example, people have joined organisations and have never met their colleagues in person. And doing more face-to-face work nowadays, I've noticed that sense of joy and the connection with other humans. Now we're delivering some work in person. I've also noticed a definite trend in people asking for support to enable them to switch off from work and recharge their batteries. Emma, I'm interested to hear what the research is saying in terms of how people are adjusting to the new ways of working post-pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it is, as you mentioned, it's so recent, it's an ongoing situation. So there is less research out there that's been published. Some of the research does point towards people struggling with unpredictable schedules, feeling overload and work stress, which are all factors that contribute to further psychological distress and burnout. The most frequent health complaint reported in the research was actually anxiety. That's really fascinating, Emma. And I think, you know, a big part of adjusting to the post-pandemic world actually comes down to each individual's adaptability and flexibility to find a new routine or personal practice that works for them as a way to manage their anxiety. For example, many people took up new hobbies, developed new practices, or even put in new boundaries to help them adapt to this new world that they find themselves in. So in terms of recommendations for employers, I think the Wellness Works framework that Mental Health Ireland posted for employers is such a fantastic resource in terms of providing practical advice on what they can do to support mental health in the workplace. And we post the link to this framework on our LinkedIn page. Yeah, and if you do go to that link, the framework stresses the importance on integrating mental health policies into the functioning of the organisation and making sure that policies are tailored to the needs of your employees. It's a brilliant resource. It's a step-by-step guide on how to develop and implement these mental health policies. So, Ross, just in terms of the practical advice you'd have for individuals, do you have any top tips that you would like to share in terms of how individuals can better manage their anxiety? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a primary foundational piece I'd like us to think about normalizing anxiety. Sometimes when we have these thoughts, we might think there's something wrong with us or we're broken or we're not normal. Well, actually, I'm here to tell you that we're not broken. It's just how our minds have evolved to cope with the day-to-day 
stresses and strains of life. So finding ways to relate to the anxious, worrisome mind in different ways is really important. Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, Ross, I, I completely agree. Some level of anxiety is normal and healthy. It's actually really useful to be able to think about the future and what we might need. For example, you know, how to stockpile food to get you through winter, etc. Um, however, too much anxiety can become intrusive and unhelpful. And I think that's where the issue lies. Ways that we can manage this include keeping physically active, making sleep a priority. These things are so important for us to manage our energy and stress levels. The book, The Powerful Engagement by Jim Lohr and Tony Swartz is a great practical advice for managing your physical energy with sleep and nutrition and exercise, managing your emotional energy by taking the time to do the things you really enjoy for enjoyment's sake, and managing your cognitive energy by taking mental breaks. And then lastly, it goes into detail around how you can manage your spiritual energy by being connected with your purpose and also spending time in nature. Brilliant. I particularly love that connecting to your purpose and spending time in nature. Another key thing is identifying triggers. What areas in your life are causing these feelings? Are there specific areas within your work life that can be dealt with? Or is there a bigger issue at hand that needs to be explored and addressed? I couldn't agree more, Ross. It's so important to be curious and notice the things that are making you anxious. Ask yourself, what is it about those things that's making you anxious? Be honest with yourself and be realistic and ask yourself, you know, what really is the worst that can happen? Yeah, there are various techniques. We might call them stress management techniques that are simple and proven to be effective and to help us manage anxiety, such as mindfulness meditation and the simple ones that last about 10 minutes, focusing on the body or the breath and Within the show notes for this episode, we've, we've created a guided meditation that lasts about 10 minutes that you'll find on the Seven website and also in the show notes for this episode. Those are all great suggestions. I love the idea of a body scan. Personally, I try to check in, focus on the breath, do a body scan at least once a day. I know our colleague Kerry is an expert in compassion-focused therapy, which has been found to help and manage anxiety. Yeah, I completely agree, Emma. I'm a huge fan of compassion-focused therapy. And actually, I've got a book recommendation I'll throw in just now. It's called Your Anxiety Beast and You, A Compassionate Guide to Living in an Increasingly Anxious World. And that's by Dr. Eric Goodman. And again, thoroughly recommend that book and I'll put the link in the show notes. But here's, here's one simple technique now. Firstly, to write down those troublesome thoughts, those everyday troublesome thoughts. And secondly, to take one of them. For instance, I've got a, a troublesome thought that's recurrent in many areas of my life, and it's that thought that I'm not clever enough. So once you've written down some of your troublesome and helpful thoughts, just take one of them, I'm choosing to take, I'm not clever enough, and try adding the prefix, I'm having the thought that I'm not clever enough. See what we're doing there? We're taking that thought, I'm not clever enough, and adding that prefix, I'm having the thought that. So I'm having the thought that I'm not clever enough. That immediately gives me some space between myself and that thought. It gives me some distance. And that distance is some of the most healthy psychological space we can have. 
You could even take it, if you want to have a go at this, a step further. You could expand that prefix and say, I notice that I'm having the thought that I'm not clever enough. And for me, that's like a, a weight lifting off me. I notice that I'm having the thought that I'm not clever enough. Because that thought on its own could overtake my thinking and, and mean that perhaps I say no to opportunities that might be really interesting for me. But using this, it helps you realize what my mind is doing. My mind is trying to protect me. And by using this technique of I notice that I'm having the thought that I'm not clever enough, it helps me get some distance between me and that thought and realize what I can do next to help me pursue what's important to me. So folks, in summary, we can support people to cultivate skills that will help them relate to their anxiety in a different way with practical tools rather than wait until they're off unwell or sick. Yeah, and I just think before we wrap up, one thing that's important to highlight is there's so many support services available. You can check to see whether your employers have an employee assistance program. Alternatively, you could contact your GP. There's also the HSC information helpline that's at 1800 111 888 or AWARE mental health support line on 1-800-804848. Great, thanks so much Emma for, for sharing those resources and as well, you know, Seven can provide tailor-made workshops on mental health, looking at best practice for how managers can support their employees' mental health, and also what individuals can do for themselves in terms of taking control of their mental health. We conduct energy audits to help individuals and teams check how effectively they are managing their energy, and how they can better take control of their energy and mental health. What a great place to draw this episode to a close. Thank you, Emma, on the research desk. Thanks to Kevin. And thanks to you for listening. See you next time for another installment of the 7 Bytes podcast.